Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. Today, we're honored to have a guest with us who serves as the electrician's mate, third class petty officer on Coast Guard Cutter Oak. His name is EM3 Sprock, and he's here to introduce himself, tell us a little bit about his time and experience in the Coast Guard, and tell us about all the great things electrician's mates do in the Coast Guard and why he loves being an electrician's mate. So without further ado, here is EM3 Sprock. How's it going? I'm Nathan Sprock. I'm from Bethel, Connecticut. Both my brothers are in the United States Coast Guard as well. I decided that college wasn't for me right out of high school, so I decided to make the leap and join the Coast Guard at uh, 18 years old. It's been great ever since. Really have no complaints. How did you uh, first hear about the Coast Guard? So like I said, both my brothers are in the Coast Guard, and looking at what they've done, it seemed like the best fit for me other than college. Are they both electrician's mates as well? No, they're both uh, machinery technicians. My oldest brother is uh, MK2, and then the one right above me is MK3. And so having them both be MKs in the Coast Guard, when did you decide you want to be an electrician's mate? So it's kind of like the stereotypical story of growing up and not really wanting to do exactly what your brothers do or your older siblings wanted to do. And I was a fireman on a 225 in Alaska, and... Seeing what the MKs do wasn't really kind of my jive. I've been working with my hands, like mechanic style work for a long time. And I decided it was time for a change. And I didn't really know a whole lot about electricity and working on that type of stuff. So I decided that was something new and exciting to learn. So I went for it. And luckily, it turned out to be a really good thing for me. Now, when you signed up to be an electrician's mate, typically... Electricians made one of those raids in the Coast Guard that can go from boot camp to A school. What made you decide to take your time and feel out the rate as a non-rate before committing to going electrician's mate? So when you go through the recruiting process and everything, your recruiter might tell you that there is a boot to A thing and they'll, they'll give you a bonus to go that rate. And EM was one of those rates, but I wanted to join the Coast Guard and be a non-rate first to see different jobs because who knows like if I sign up to be an EM uh, right at a boot camp and I didn't like it there are chances to switch rates but I didn't want to do that I wanted to look and see and kind of work with different people and different rates to see which one looked like the best fit for me at the time and you said that uh, because you had that time as a non-rate what do you think you gained most from being a fireman on a 225 before actually being a rated petty officer electrician's mate on the same platform I think like the biggest thing that sticks out in my mind is gaining the knowledge of being an engineer without having all the responsibility of one single rate. So as a fireman, you can work with the DCs, you can work with the EMs, the MKs. And as you go along in your qualification process, you can ask your supervisors to work with different rates. And I think the biggest thing I gained from being a non-rate was seeing different rates and what they do and what their part is on a boat. As opposed to just going boot to A, you don't really have that wealth of knowledge, which is definitely a big thing because as a non-rate, you see all these different rates and you can see what the yeomen do, what the SKs do, what the deckies do, the BMs and everything, and make your decision from there instead of making some sort of blind decision when you don't really know what the Coast Guard is. And so you got stationed up in Alaska. How is that overall being stationed in such a unique remote location? such as where you were in. So I grew up in Connecticut and I always wanted to just go out and see something right off the bat, right out of high school. And I always enjoyed the outdoors. And before I even joined the Coast Guard, I was like, I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to go do it. 
you know, what the heck, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. And I put on my dream sheet in boot camp that I want to be a fireman on a black hole in Alaska. And I got that, got exactly what I wanted. And going there, it's a, it's a huge culture shock being that young and just being sent out there alone. There's a lot of different stations in Alaska, but Cordova was one that you can't leave except for on a plane or on your boat. So there's no roads out, the bridge washed out, you can't drive anywhere, you're on your own. And that was a big thing because work became a big part of my life. The Coast Guard became a big part of my life because you wake up, you go to work, and then you come home, and then you go outside, you're in like the greatest wealth of environment that you can find. There's immense natural resources and everything. And it's insane to see that coming from an 18-year-old, you know, right out of high school. And all of a sudden you're in the last frontier. You know, you're on your own doing the Alaska thing. Well, so now many people talk about this last frontier Alaska experience and how it's so out there in the wilderness. And you're so far from civilization, especially you come from Connecticut. Given that it's so remote, though, and this unique frontier did you find that you got especially close with your crew in terms of like camaraderie and building a bond with your crew as like you had each other as like your family out there that was a huge thing that i noticed coming from alaska to rhode island is the difference in some sort of camaraderie a lot of difference because people go home here and we are a tight-knit crew and we are close but people go home here and they go to their own lives and there's a lot more to do here but when you get off the boat in Alaska, if you don't have a wife and kids, you're on your own, you know. You can't just call up your girlfriend in Mississippi and be like, hey, come come over, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I noticed that we got together a lot more, and it was more of like a natural thing. It wasn't like, a, hey, you want to come over tonight, like for the first time or whatever. It was like, hey, we're doing this. And it was like kind of oh, we almost got into like a ritual of hanging out with each other. And you hang out with everyone. Everyone gets together. All the officers hang out with the enlisted. There's not really a big divide on that boat because there's nothing else to do besides hang out with your people on the boat, which is super cool. And so you must have had a lot of time outdoors just to be able to explore the frontiers. So what were some of your favorite activities you did in Alaska for anyone interested in maybe getting stationed in Alaska in their future careers? Yeah, so a big thing was, you know, just buying a crappy car. I bought my car for 250 bucks. It was a passed-down car from an mk1 probably five ten years ago or something and it just got passed down through the whole boat and it ended up in my lap and i i bought it for 250 bucks and a lot of fun is just going out the road and just driving because there's a long road it's probably 30 miles long and then it just ends so you just drive out to the end of the road and then you go off on some four-wheeling path you can go four-wheeling a lot that was a big thing my buddy dc3 had a couple four-wheelers and stuff and we would go out there all the time you could ride out to the glaciers you can go see the glacier you can go places that you can't get to on foot and that was a big thing that i did was just go out for me one with with my friends yeah did you ever get to see the northern lights yes yeah so sailing on the fur as opposed to the oak is there's zero light pollution so the boat is completely dark and there's zero light pollution so when we're going up past the coast of Maine and stuff, you can see lights from surrounding towns. And there's like a glow. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's like a glow over the whole city. But in Alaska, there's no city. Especially where our AOR was, there wasn't a lot of big cities and, and everything like that. So there wasn't like that huge shroud of light. So if you go out there after mids or something and you look up at the sky, you can see all the constellations. 
And then I've seen the Northern Lights underway a lot, and especially in Cordova, you can see them a lot. So your home port, Cordova in Alaska, there's near zero light pollution even in the home port? Or do you have to get out a little ways? You have to get out a little ways, but even there, you can see the Northern Lights, and that was like a regular thing. It's like, oh, there it is. And you see it in different colors all the time? So it wouldn't always be green. It might be purple or yellow or blue. There was like hues of green, like light green, and there was a lot of like blue. And then one time when I was underway, I saw them move. Like you can see them move and shift because I don't really know the whole science behind Northern Lights, but it's something to do with like the electrical field in the sky. But you can actually see them like wave in the sky. And that was pretty cool to see. So that's more of an ET question rather than EM question? <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. But it has to do something with the electrons in the atmosphere bumping up against each other. I'm not really sure. Probably wouldn't uh, trust my knowledge on that. <laughs> All right, we'll get into electrons then. Uh, you end up going to A school. And that's in, where's EM school? Is that in Yorktown, Virginia? Yeah, it's in Yorktown. Okay, so how was that leaving this amazing frontier and then going into the regimented life of A school? I was super psyched to leave Cordova. It's great and all, but there are always downsides to where you get stationed or there's always going to be that. And it was, it was great to go somewhere where you can just drive to a Walmart and go buy whatever you wanted. Cause in town you could buy stuff, but it's super expensive. So coming to Yorktown, I was super psyched to just be in like a compact city again and just like enjoy the more forgotten creature comforts that we're so used to. And so what's schooling like for an electrician's mate? Like anyone that's prospective wanting to go electrician's mate, what can they expect from A school? It changes all the time. The curriculum changes all the time. But when I went through the first couple of weeks is all on this computer thing. It's called NIDA. And you sit there in a classroom for two weeks. Each unit's two weeks. And you work on circuit boards, troubleshooting different circuit boards and, and uh, seeing how electricity works. You go through basically EMA school is to build you up from knowing zero about electricity, like knowing nothing at all to gaining the understanding of electricity. So electrons, um, how like how it all forms around the nucleus, how we manipulate the electrons and protons to create electricity. So we do that and learn a lot about battery maintenance. And there's, there's a unit, I think it's unit four when I went through unit four or five and they have like a mock ship and they have these panels that have it's basically like a boat. You have a breaker box and you have to wire up the breaker box from the breaker and you have to wire up a light to a switch. You have to wire up different lights to switches. You have to wire up battle lanterns and stuff like that. So you have to learn how to strip and crimp and do all that stuff. And it's really cool to work with your hands. So that's a big, that's a big unit. That was one of my favorites. There was another one on paralleling generators which was really fun. They have this like $30,000 trainer that you get to play with and mess around with. And you get to mock paralleling generators, which paralleling generators is just having two generators create electricity together. So you have one and two generators, you parallel them so that they're both working to give power to the boat. You're saying like parallel and generators mean like you have to have them in sync as they're going through, like syncing them up. Exactly. So I don't want to get too much into the science, but it's kind of like a sine wave. So AC current, it goes along the axis like 360 degrees. You can think of it in a circle and you need both of those to be lined up. So if they're out of sync, you can't parallel the generators. So that's a big thing that we learned was making sure they're synced up so that they can work together effectively. 
And then you're saying that in A school that they're teaching you from bare bones. So did they teach you effectively how to change a light bulb too? <laughs> Basic stuff. That was kind of uh, common knowledge. I think they skipped over that, how to change a light bulb. But they taught us a lot about light bulbs. We went over a lot of light bulbs, which is kind of mind-numbing. But I was going to say, I see a lot of EMs changing lights on the ship. That is that is a huge part of my job, is keeping the lights on. And I'll call you when the lights go out on me. <laughs> yeah, make sure so you do that. You, you came out of A school, and what made you decide to pick the oak? versus somewhere else like why do you want to come back to 225 in particular why do you like best about the buoy tender lifestyle there were not as many boats on my pick list that i thought there were going to be there was a couple of 210s on the pick list there was this boat actually my old boat was on my pick list and i didn't want to go back there just to just change things up a little bit there was a 140 out of bayon new jersey the penobscot bay I was, it was between that one and this one. I definitely wanted to stay on a black hole because I don't really want to see how the, the white hole life is like. I've heard a lot of great things about it, but I've also heard a lot of bad things about it. Just to keep it familiar, I decided to just stay with the 225 platform. I could basically walk on this platform almost fully qualified. I got qualified a lot faster than someone who would come here with no knowledge of a 225. And I just, I loved being on a 225. It's a, it's a great platform. I like the mission. It's uh, definitely cool. Have you ever had the experience of being able to go out on the buoy deck yet and tend some buoys in your line of work, or you kept pretty busy with your electrician's mate line of stuff? I haven't done any buoy work here, but on my old boat, uh, the Fur, it's another 225. I went out there. It was like a late-night buoy because in Alaska you need to do buoys at night. A lot of them you have to do at night because of the tides, like 29-foot swing tides. You have to work them at night. So I went out there after they did six night buoys or something like that. And I did a couple. I did a couple heat and beats. But I definitely want to get out there again and test my skills. I definitely have to go out there for my rigor qualification. Yeah, you look like you have like a strong build to go and bash some heat and beats <laughs> with a hammer. Yeah, so I, I definitely had a, lot of, I had a lot of fun doing that. It was the camaraderie. I don't know if they, you guys do it on this boat, but like, Whenever you do a heat and beat, everyone's like screaming and yelling. Yes. It's a lot of fun. And I, I really liked it. Everyone was screaming, hey, Sprock, go for it. We're getting prepped for the buoy tender Olympics. You should come out for those. And, uh, <laughs> I'll try, I'll try my hand beats. at that. I'll try my hand. So what have you learned most? Because you've been here a couple months now as a raid electrician's mate. What have you learned most on the job that you say is like invaluable experience based on your older electrician's mates, higher ranking, maybe your chiefs in your first class teaching you? some stuff how has that been a process of you accelerated learning in a school they give you a set way of doing things and that's the way you need to do it but on this boat my emc my em1 they teach me different things to more effectively troubleshoot and different troubleshooting techniques i think that's a that's a large thing they've taught me work ethic as well is a big thing they'll tell you in a school like yeah, you're going to go out there and you're just going to do whatever your EM1 or your EMC does. But coming to the fleet, they're more hands-off than an A-school instructor. So they're just going to say, hey, this is what we need to do. It needs to get done. And EM1 and EMC are always there for me to help me if I have any questions. But they're kind of hands-off. Um, as an EM3, it's my job to do more of the hands-on work. And picking and choosing what work I can do on my spare time, on my duty days, is a big thing that I've... I've learned from them is just you got to always keep the lights on. That's a big thing in my, in my job. I said it before, keeping the light bulbs on and everything. So I'm always working on light bulbs on my own. And that's a big thing that they've taught me is just getting it done. 
because a school they're just saying oh you just got to go there and just do whatever they say but a lot of things you just need to take upon yourself and take care of by yourself do you think that a school prepared you well for coming to the buoy tender and coming into the fleet as a whole or do you think there's been a steep curve since showing up to the oak in terms of your electrician's mate skill set i think as far as my electrician's mate skill set i think a school did a pretty good job of teaching me the fundamentals there's still a lot to learn and i'll never be perfect everyone's always learning but I do feel that A school has prepared me well in coming to the fleet. There are a couple things that I came here nervous nervous about, but knowing that my EM1 and my EMC are always there if I need any questions, which which is it's a huge help. And to the prospective listener out there who's unsure, maybe they want to go EM, they're not sure, but they hear that the recruiters want EMs really badly right now. What would you suggest to that person just coming in? I would definitely say it's different for everyone, but in my experience, being a non-rate and being a fireman has helped a lot in picking my rate. Seeing that fat bonus, $30,000 or whatever it is now, to become an EM right out of boot camp, it's cool, but I would definitely try and go shadow an EM or shadow an MK or a DC, even for a day. See what they do. And I did that on my on my old platform and... It helped a lot. I shot at the EMs for a couple days. I think it was a week or so. And that kind of solidified my decision to going EM. So that's what I would say. Definitely say go be an honorary and see what it's like first before you make your decision right out of high school or whatever you are. And for where you stand right now, do you know if you intend to make a long career out of the Coast Guard or you just seen how it goes for a couple of years and seeing what commercial opportunities present themselves to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure how long I'm going to stay in the Coast Guard. I definitely want to make second, and I definitely want to go to another billet after this. I'm not sure if I'm going to make 20 out of this. I definitely like it a lot. I like the Coast Guard a lot. There's been a, there's a lot of opportunities to grow, and having college paid for when you want to do tuition assistance is great. So I'm not really sure if I want to do 20 yet. That's a decision for later EM3. <laughs> You said you want to go to another location. You've been to Alaska in Newport, Rhode Island. Pretty cold winters. Are you looking at staying in the north somewhere, or would you like to go somewhere nice, like a nice warm area? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I do not like the heat at all. I definitely liked the. I grew up in New England. Seeing all the seasons is great. Alaska wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. I, w- I went there in the winter. It wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be, but. I do not want to go to Florida. I don't want to go to North Carolina, South Carolina. It's a little bit too sticky for me. Have you tried your hand at Duluth, Minnesota? I was actually thinking about Minnesota. If there was going to be a Minnesota pick in A school, I was definitely going to go to Minnesota. Aside from the listeners, from what we've heard from people on this boat, Duluth, Minnesota is probably the coldest place you can get stationed in the Coast Guard. <laughs> yeah, I think, so. I think BM was a BM-1 that was stationed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our old HS2. Yeah, I would like to go to Minnesota. It's definitely cool. My brother's in, on the... Uh, the Hollyhock in Port Huron, Michigan, and it's cold there. So Duluth is way more north than that. So yeah, they have all that lake effect winter. You get those Canadian cold Arctic winds. Yeah. So a lot of ice. if you want cold, you're gonna get a cold. Yeah. <laughs> There's always openings in Minnesota. I love the cold weather. It's great because you can always put on another jacket. But when it's hot, you can't always take off all the layers. You know. Mm. So. To sort of wrap things up, what do you hope to gain in your remaining time at the Oak and learning and growing as an EM3 in preparation for ranking up to EM2? I'm always 
hoping to gain more knowledge, which I already have gained a wealth of knowledge just being on being afloat. But I think I definitely want to gain more leadership skills. Being on a boat is definitely a huge thing. Being in charge of people is another thing. And I haven't really had the opportunity to be in charge of anyone in my career in the Coast Guard. But that's definitely one thing. Like leading myself, gaining that knowledge of leading myself as well as leading others is something that I want to gain from this boat. And do you think those opportunities will come and present themselves as the more experience you get on here? Absolutely. Being able to train new firemen that come on and other new third class that come on and teaching others about how maybe even how the import watch round works or some non rights. Absolutely. I do I do enjoy teaching people like passing down the knowledge because it's very important, especially on a boat, to know what's going on around you, knowing what you're supposed to know. So I do like te- I do enjoy teaching people what I know. Well, I've heard from a number of non-rates that they, uh, they're always talking about EM3 Sprock showed me this and EM3 Sprock showed me that. So I think you've had a long-lasting effect and you've happened to pick the duty days that all the non-rates happen to have. So yeah. you've been a big influence on them, which is really good to see. And it enforces what you're saying with that leadership perspective as it doesn't necessarily have to be within the EM rate as much as a lot of people come on the ship not knowing port from starboard. So it definitely goes beyond just your rate. I mean so many people they they always come up and they're like oh sprock showed me this and they're all very happy to have you teach them so i think that leadership core and foundation is already forming within you i definitely like to hear that being able to teach people is very important in the coast guard because if you let someone flounder they're not going to grow it's when you're on a boat in the ocean you need people to know what they're doing i don't do it for my own health i do it so that i can trust people on my boat there's a fire I'd like people to know what they're doing to be able to go and actively attack the fire instead of, oh, I did my drawing once and I got it signed off. I forgot about it. I Holding people accountable for their knowledge is definitely a huge thing in the Coast Guard. And I do enjoy teaching people and, and helping them through it. It's, it's a very daunting task to get qualified, especially right out of boot camp. And I was there. I showed up to a boat. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what AFFF is. They teach you the stuff in boot camp, but they're screaming at you the whole time. So you're like, I don't know. You're, you're saying these things, but I'm not paying attention to what you're saying because you're <laughs> yelling at me. So changing that that mantra of just pounding stuff into your head, it takes time for people to learn. And especially you show up to this boat and they're like, oh, just go do your drawings. And then they leave you be. Like when I show up to my boat, my MK1, handing me my qual packet. And he was like, all right, go start on your drawings. And I was looking around and I was what what is a drawing can you show me a drawing and kind of just i had to ask people and i had a a dc3 that helped me a lot with my stuff and that's kind of what i like to pass on because it's a huge thing i heard it today she's they were saying it's a lot it's a lot of work a lot of work goes into getting qualified and it's i don't know what's going on it's like it's not that hard you can take your time with it there's there is a time frame but you need to learn the information so Take your time, get comfortable with it, and I, if you have any questions, just come ask. I'm not going to bite your head, bite your head off. So <laughs> maybe you'll bite their head off if they don't ask. Yeah, right. Want to see the mask? Yeah. No, I think you you make a really good point though. Is that like coming out of boot camp? You don't want to be someone that seems like they know nothing, but you got to be honest with yourself and just own it. That hey, I know nothing, yeah. and I'm here. I need help. But I'm willing to learn and to bring that go-getter attitude is like a really good way to enter the fleet. And people will respect that because they want to see you show initiative and be willing to learn as well. 
Yeah. I think, like, the biggest thing I learned was don't be afraid to ask questions. Say, I don't know what I'm doing. It's okay to say that. If you say, I don't know what I'm doing, and you put in no effort to try and know what you're doing, that's a different story. But if you say you don't know what you're doing, and you try and quench that thirst for knowledge, (laughs) as funny as that sounds. Drinking from a fire. Yeah, exactly. You're drinking all this information, and people are trying to, like, force you to know this stuff, but you just got to take your time with it. Relax. Create acronyms. Create stupid little songs in your head that makes you help helps you memorize stuff that's what i did i would just sit there with a notebook and i would write out acronyms trying to figure out how i could learn this stuff better put in those extra hours definitely yes they all work out in the end and they'll make you more rounded shipmate and sailor to future shipmates i never thought i would study again but i found myself studying at home more than i did in high school so (laughs) that's any inclination it paid off yeah your knowledge is like naturally exuberating on debt on right so thank you it's going it's going well i appreciate that any final comments or remarks that you'd uh like to share with the listener before uh we wind things up i think if you're coming right out of boot camp just relax no one's gonna attack you right off the bat you are a new person in the ghost guard take a deep breath before you come on board everything's gonna be fine you're gonna make friends it's gonna be okay you're gonna get qualified don't stress about that don't stress about your drawings ask for help that's the biggest thing I gotta that's the biggest thing I gotta pass is like just ask for help when you need it if you need help with your home life ask ask someone that you feel comfortable with if you need help with your drawings ask someone that's that's about it and then go explore experience far out places mm-hmm. like freaking awesome Alaska <laughs> definitely definitely don't be scared to leave home I came back home but definitely don't be afraid to go somewhere new and I, I'm I'm willing to go somewhere new after this just to try it out go when's the last time you're gonna live in alaska i lived in alaska for seven months at 18 years old when when's the last time you're ever gonna be able to say that absolutely so go make that jump make that leap just go do it the coast guards are gonna pay for it go do it (laughs) yeah it's not on your dime coast guard pays when else are you gonna get paid in your life to go live somewhere new yeah plus that's the thing you can make a lot of money in alaska with that cola Cost of living allowance. BAH. You can make some beans, yeah. Yeah, put it all together. Yeah. You you have a pretty nice paycheck at the end of every I made it, I made I made a quite a pretty penny just save my money in Alaska as a non ring. I was getting paid quite a bit of money. And I got to live in Alaska, so it was cool. I always comes back to that just how awesome Alaska is. You only see the good memories. Only see <laughs> the good <laughs> Alaska was good. It was a good time. Well, thanks for coming on EM3 Spra. Absolutely. And uh, we want to get more people on here, of course, but we'll hopefully get you back on here for another episode, talk more about your growth and progression later down the line because we're going to be here a while. So yeah. You and I we'll are going to be episodes. stuck together yeah. for a while. So, yeah, I'll be down. We're good. Day. We're a good duty section. You know, you yeah. like days. I like mids. <laughs> we fit together. It's yeah, that's right. Peanut butter and jelly. Exactly. <laughs> so... Well, to the viewers, thanks for listening to another great episode. Ian 3 Sprock, he's given a lot of great insight and knowledge into easing your worries and concerns coming out of boot camp, all the experiences you can have if you just like keep an open mind, go out, adventure, and explore, and just go out and make the best life you can. I mean, you can see your life you live once, and you want to make the most of it. Like you said, when else are you going to get the opportunities to go and live in Alaska or these remote places on someone else's dime? Like, Take full advantage of all your opportunities in the Coast Guard. And definitely, if EM is interesting to you, 
and you have an interest in that, like I said, seek out some EMs and go shadow. Whatever rate you're interested in, go and shadow them. Excellent advice. Shadowing will really help you decide and learn if this is what's for you. Because watching someone do something and doing it yourself is two completely different mindsets of what's going on. So make the most of your advantages. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode with a new interview guest. And we'll see you soon.